Guys, people, on today's show, we get real deep, waxing poetically as we discuss the difference between being pretty and beautiful with the executive director of Christians in the Visual Arts, LaJuan Glasscock. She outlines her story as an introvert being raised on a farm by entrepreneurs who lived in Italy and became an archaeologist and a CEO mom. And we talk about all things in between. Just know that it gets a little fly, it gets a little quirky, it gets a little silly, it gets a little serious, it gets a little abstract. But you should sit back, relax, and enjoy the inspiration. Now in session. Inspire guys, people. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggle to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your jeans. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Woo! Man, you know what? Sometimes you're just tired. Like, it's been a long day, a long week, a long six months. But I say this in a good way. You know, one of the things, you know, we talked about on this show um, is just staying inspired. Um, we talked about when the pandemic came, not leaving the pandemic empty handed. Uh, we've talked about how problems create opportunities um, and how success is a responsibility. Those are just some of the topics I urge y'all. If you're a new listener, I'm telling you, I'm not just saying it. Go and check out some of these previous episodes. Catch up. Don't be afraid to start at episode one and check out things that we've talked about. And guess what? If you've been listening the whole time, don't hesitate and sleep on the value of going back and re-listening to an episode you've already heard. I'm saying all that because what's been amazing for me is I've had the opportunity to live out the things that I've been talking about on this show. Um, not all of them per se, but there's a lot of concepts and principles and, and episodes. We might, you know, talk about something today and God might have me in that place in life three months later. And I'm like, you know what? We just talked about this. So I know that my words have power. I know that, you know, this life that we live, the decisions we make have power. And, you know, it's constantly ups and downs, right? I make mistakes all the time and I just try to better them and try to like come back stronger or whatever. But um, it's been an amazing um, year, to be honest, man. God has done a lot this year and I'm looking forward to him doing more. I know it's been challenging for some people. And we're, you know, but every year is challenging for some people. You know what I mean? Like every day is challenging for some people. So um, we definitely have to keep each other in prayer. But I'm telling you the principles and things we talk about on this show, man, and just staying inspired in Christ. I see these things in my everyday life. God has done so much, man. I've had so much growth and so many opportunities have came my way. And if I'm being honest, I've never seen as many opportunities as I've seen in 2020. And some of those are small opportunities. Some of them are large opportunities, like whatever it may be. I have never seen this many opportunities in my life, not just for myself, but for other people. I'm not talking about me per se. I'm saying just seeing it, period. So many people I know um, are in new situations and things that, and this is the hard part. 
if I'm just being real with y'all, I'm seeing as bad as the pandemic is, and don't take this wrong, like I say this with complete sensitivity, but as bad as these problems have been that people have pointed out this year per se, quote unquote, these problems have created opportunities. I'm seeing, so, I'm seeing people be able to go to school for free. I'm seeing more grants and scholarships and job promotions. And I'm seeing a lot of good come from some of the bad that seems to get the headlines. And one of the things that we try to do on this show is give good news to headlines, baby. Like that to me is like, there's no point in me. Like people might wonder like, when is Jermaine going to talk about all the crazy politics and the election is coming up. Like, when are we going to do it? It's like, it's not going to happen. You're going to see the election come and go, and I'm not going to say nothing about it. You know why? Because there's more than enough people talking about that. And my goal isn't just to follow what everyone else is doing. It's like, okay, cool. They got that covered. Everybody else want to debate those things. That's not what we do here. At least not right now. When the Lord tells me to do it and guides me to do it, I'll do it. But I'm trying to do what he wants me to do when he wants me to do it. And this is what we're doing. We inspiring God's people. So um, shout out to the people, man. I had people like randomly donating to this show. And I don't know if I told y'all that before because this it's happened several times. But um, I just want to appreciate the people out there donating. Like it's, you know, especially because I haven't asked for it, but it's definitely been um, super helpful as we try to continue to grow the show. And hopefully you're enjoying what we're doing. And definitely the donations go towards the show. Um, in one way or another, whether it be marketing or materials, merchandise, whatever it is, like equipment, it goes towards the show. Like I'm not taking it and going to buy no new Jordans or like, trust me, like anything you donate goes towards the show. So um, I guess with that said, I'm, uh, I'm working on creating like more of a like something official around donating since I have people donating. Um, to my PayPal and stuff like that. I'm trying to like create something official around that. It's this site. Let me know if y'all heard of it. It's called like coffee, I guess, ko-fi.com. So I created a profile on there under Inspire God's People. And like, I, I'm thinking that from what I'm reading, that website will allow me to be able to have like, like produce exclusive content for people who donate or like, have a more like some added value to it, right? Create some exclusivity around it. Um, so I got to check that out. All the reviews I've read said that site is cool. If you don't think it's cool, let me know. If you think that's a good idea, let me know. But again, you know, I'm the kind of person that is like, okay, if people going to be donating, and I'm not even asking that, but if that's if people going to be doing that, I got to make sure it's right and it's official and it has some value and we got some structure around it. So I'm working on that. But you know what? I've been rambling for a little too long. I don't like, why am I rambling right now? Stop this. Like, quit it. Like, just go ahead and play a song, you know, and then get into the interview. Why are you like, what am I doing? I don't, I told y'all I'm tired. This is me being tired, like just talking too much and probably losing listeners by the second. Like, come on, st come back. Don't leave yet. I appreciate you listening. Um, let me figure out which song I'm going to play real quick. Let's get into this song. I'm not even going to introduce the song. I'm going to just play the song, and then we're going we gonna to get into this interview. Okay? Like, stick around. The song is going to be good. I'm a Christian artist, J-Will Music. If you want to listen to my music, just type in J-W-I-L-M-U-S-I-C. J-Will and the word music, all one word. You can Google it. 
You can search it on Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Search J. Will Music anywhere. There's going to be a whole bunch of songs by me. Some of them you're going to like. Some of them you're not going to like at all. You're going to be like, I like his podcast, but I hate his music. And I hate that he's still introducing this song that he's not going to introduce. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen. James featuring J. Will Music, one of my absolute favorite songs. Me and my brother Darius actually um, did a live version of that song that's going to be coming out sometime soon. Along with the video, um, Darius did a bunch of dope videos and projects over this uh, summer, now into the fall. He's still doing great things. So check out Darius James and his music. And more specifically, check out the song that I'm featured on at the cross. Was that selfish? Yes, it was. Y'all know what time it is. Let me interview you. Here's what we gon' do. You gon' talk to me and I'm gon' talk to you. Maybe on the phone or possibly in person. Either way it goes, we gon' be talking 
purpose. Guys, people, I am excited to get this interview started. I have someone very cool on the phone. I think this is a cool person. I've done a little research. Interesting, different, but has like, I feel like as we unpack this story, it's going to be full of substance and we're just going to be grabbing gems out of the sky. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Lawan Glasscock to the show. How are you today, Lawan? I'm doing great. Loving the fall weather. Yes. Yeah. We talked about that. You are, you know, you like to fall for the colors. Um, I'm more so into the fall just because I'm not sweating every five seconds due to the extreme heat from the summer. So yeah. different it's a reasons. Dance yep. Different reasons. Same purpose. So. Lawan, you are the executive director of Christians in Visual Arts, a.k.a. SIVA, if I'm saying that correctly. It is. Unless you're Italian, then it's Chiva. Chiva. Okay, look, I'm all into, like, learning languages now. Or let me let me rephrase that. Learning words okay. from languages. Because I have no yeah. patience to actually learn a language. Ah, but I bet you could learn a visual language. I yeah. think it's easier than the spoken language. I I would definitely agree with that. So, Lawan, let's let's find out a little bit about you before we get into Siva and Christians and visual arts. To me, that just sounds cool. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your story. Like, you know, who were you when you were younger? I typically like to ask people who they were in like high school, college. I'm interested in like what the reputation was prior to today. So can you tell us a little bit about your history? Oh, um, well, if we start with high school, I um, was the one, I was probably the girl in your school that was voted most likely not to get married. Um, not, you mm. know, because I was just so serious. I was a very serious student. Okay. Um, introverted. Um, I was, I, I grew up in a farming community and I, I just knew that there, my, my father and my grandfather had always just instilled in me that the world was such an amazing place. And I remember my father would always tell me the world is a library. Just start reading the books. You don't have to finish them, but just start reading them. So I always had this, um, this drive in me to read as many books as possible to find the book that fit me. And so in high school in a, in a small farming community, I, I was a bit, I was a bit different. And then on top of that, my mother was in garment manufacturing textiles and design. And so I was very much into fashion. And so when everyone else was wearing your overalls and Wranglers, <laughs> I was coming in and, um, and, you know, the highest fashion of the day that, of course, my mother's factories were making. So, yeah, I was, I was, a, so bit, she, I was a bit odd. She owned yeah, the factory? I was a bit odd. She did. She owned several factories, so textile and garment manufacturing. Oh, so no. I grew up. I grew up in that industry, which is probably the reason I don't buy brands now. I'm a bit anti-brand because I grew up understanding how that industry works. So um, is it like because of the fact that like, a, you know, the difference between two brands is as much as like, like I've been looking at watches lately, right? Because right. when I'm shopping, I'm a very like purposed shopper. 
I'm one of those people that reads a thousand reviews to buy one thing. And if I buy a watch, I don't want to just pay all this money because of the name and just to find out that it's made by another brand. And I find that out like recently last week, exactly. I was realizing that Fossil makes um, a lot of different brand watches. I think Michael Kors is made by Fossil. And I'm like, yeah. so why would I buy the Michael Kors for $300 when the Fossil when is... you buy the Fossil. Yes. Yeah. So is that what you mean by like your anti-brand? Same thing. Exactly. The same thing in the garment industry. So I remember now, I, I grew up in the 70s, the 80s, and... Um, one of my mom's factories produced all of the Neiman Marcus labels. And wow. I always thought it was interesting because I go to the factory and, you know, and probably until I was in my late 20s, I didn't even actually ever buy anything from a store. I would just kind of go into the factory and shop off the, the rack. That's so sweet. And, and so I go into the factory and they would be making a dress, exactly the same dress. And it might be a stripe that gets a Neiman Marcus label, and then it might be a solid that gets a J.C. Penney label. Yep. Exactly the same thing. So you I'll, know, tell you same everything. I'll tell you what's I'll tell you what's crazy. Like, yeah, so I just grew up understanding how it really works. Yeah, and what's crazy is like, so a few years ago, it's probably been three or four years now since I stopped, I had a fashion brand for a couple years um, called Bellwether Fashion. And I'm one of those people that if I'm going to do something, I'm really serious about what I do. So for me, it was mm -hmm. much deeper than like a lot of times when you get independent people who create, you know, uh, a fashion line, they'll like, you know, start with T-shirts and just kind of like put the logo on the T-shirts. And for me, I was all about the garments, the fabrics. Um, I was a part of yeah, something in Detroit yeah. called the Detroit Garment Group. We took a lot of classes. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned, you know, in a lot of the classes and we had like live session classes where we would visit a factory and things like that. And I remember there was this belt that I bought from a store. I bought it from H&M and I probably paid, let's call it $22 for the belt, right? Little cheap belt. I went to Aldo and I'm looking at the Aldo <laughs> belt and I'm like, this is the exact same belt. No branding though, just the same belt. And then Target, same thing. And I learned a lot about that same thing in the fashion industry where people are literally yeah. sourcing from the same factories like to create clothes yeah. and then they give them to us and we just buy it because, oh, this one, Gucci decided to put a tag right. in it versus whoever else. So very exactly. interesting. You had you had the opportunity right. to see that. Um, yeah. So I just grew up seeing that. So, you know, I from a very young age um, realized, you know, there's, you know, not not to be fooled by a name. You know, I like that. Deeper. Like, see, I'm I, I guess maybe I'm just so deep. There is something like to that like there's a lesson in life like compacted in that in my mind where it's like don't allow people to present something to you that's all packaged up and shiny and without you actually understanding what the substance is behind it and that's really what it comes down to like hey guess what that shirt that cotton it was made on the same machine as this other shirt that you swear you don't like it's the same thing like it's it's the oh, same shirt exactly yeah and i think you know for me it's just it's very much the same in in the visual arts i i i have pieces that are are you know people will come in and they'll recognize a particular artist on my wall mm -hmm. and they're all taken by it because they recognize that particular artist and then what's interesting is there are 
so many amazing, I mean, truly amazing visual artists with incredible talent, but they don't play into the contemporary art scene game, right? So they yeah. never really get a chance to build their name. But, and I think it's so sad. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that drew me to Siva because Siva does kind of become that cheerleader and, um, and supporter and developer of those, of those artists who just want to make art, you know. They, yeah, they don't want they, to play they, in the industry. Want, right. They don't, want to, they don't want to go into that, you know. I mean, we, we have some who do. Um, and I'm not saying every artist with a name isn't, right. isn't a great artist. But I, I'm always tickled when I see particular visual arts, and, and you know that the reason that they're worth a certain amount is because not because of the quality, but because of of this brand. It's, it's about the branding yep. of their art. It's such a it's such an yeah. interesting dynamic to me with branding, where it's like, you know, on one hand, I could see the value in it of like, hey, you know, and I'm I'm one of those people that's just been intrigued by it, like, all right. You want to build a quality brand. Your brand is important. I think our, you know, maybe episode two of this show, and we're up to episode 95. Episode two was a, about building your personal brand and talking about kind of maybe the positive side of that. But we also got into some of the, the, the cons and like how when you build a brand, you have to be careful not to try to live in your reputation so much that you forget to live in reality. Yeah. Cause like once you become known for something, then you just do that because it, it makes people happy and you're like, you don't, you lose yourself. I want to, I want to go back really quick yeah. though. And I think, and I think Christians have to be really careful about not getting caught up in their own brand and also other brands. There's a book, I pick it up about every two or three years. It's on my bookshelf that you would probably like. It's called Christ to Cope. Christ to Cope? And it talks about Christ to Cope. Oh. And how visual branding impacts a society into what they value. I'm gonna look it up today. That sounds very interesting. Um, it's a it's a really good one. I did I did another episode that was entitled "Marketing is Mind Control." This was maybe I did this a while ago, mm-hmm. and like you know I have a degree in marketing, and you know I work professionally um, in sales and marketing, and so I see some of these dynamics play out where there's some good things about marketing, but then there's some things you got to be really careful who you allow to like shape your mind um, based on being able to yeah. present something. So I definitely agree. If we go back to like, yeah. I want to, I want to ask you about your mother. Like, so growing yeah. up with, you know, your mom old, owning several factories, um, what type of an impact did that have on your life? You know, raise, being raised in an entrepreneurial um, household, you know, in a farm community, those two dynamics, I mean, I guess it shouldn't be, it's not contrasting because, I mean, farmers are entrepreneurs of sorts anyway, but I'm just curious, like, how did that shape you being raised by an entrepreneur? Well, actually, both my mother and my father were entrepreneurs. Nice. So I, um, my family goes back to early 1800s. So before Texas became Texas, my family was, was there and living there and and um, buying land and everything. So they were farmers and ranchers all the way back to the early 1800s. And then, of course, with my father's generation, a lot of the family farmland turned into oil and gas, right? Yeah. So my father's generation 
um, of brothers and sisters, so my aunts and uncles, all, all of them went into the oil and gas industry. My father was an attorney. So, of course, so all of my father's family are entrepreneurs in oil and gas. My father's now passed away. And then, of course, my mother's family, um, my grandfather was a logger. He owned his own logging industry. And then my um, mother, um, as a wedding gift, my father bought her her first factory because she loved textiles and garments. And so that was the very first kind of a wedding gift. And then she, she built it like crazy. So I grew up knowing two extremely professional, independent, um, successful entrepreneurs. So the impact on me is that I, it made me a horrible mother. <laughs> I'm the, like, the worst mother in the entire world. So if my, my son and my daughter are listening to this, That's I know Avery and Noah, I'm horrible. <laughs> but, but the great thing is I was a great business person and great entrepreneur. So I knew that even though I was a horrible mother, I was able to um, afford and able to, you know, research and secure the best education, the best nannies, the best, you know, um, because I knew I, I just really, really sucked. That so are, you, <laughs> are you calling yourself a horrible mother because you were super busy because you grew up in business? Is that, is that the point you're making? Well, you know, I thought, you know, I always had this guilt. So my children are like 27 and 30 now. And I always had this horrible guilt, right? Mm -hmm. That I, and they will tell you, I mothered like a CEO, right? Gotcha. So I literally did performance reviews on them. I literally <laughs> did, you know, because that's all I knew. And, I love it. Um, you know, and I gave them raises and, and incentive, you know, I mean, and these are the words I was to you. No, like, yeah, you um, were like, you were running the organization, basically. I got you. Like, yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and so for years, I always had this horrible guilt, right? And so I raised them in Italy. So um, nice. when they were growing up, we, we were, um, we were in Tuscany and for all those years. And then when my son graduated high school, he came back and he went to, Texas A&M University, which is the university that all my family went to, except me. I went to St. Mary's University. Um, and he called me when he was a freshman, and I remember he said, thanks, Mom, for making me weird. Wow. And I didn't quite know whether that was a compliment or a complaint, because here he was now in East Texas, Texas A&M, Aggie football, and I never exposed him to those things. Just and I, it never crossed my mind. Got you. So and was he was he being exposed to business? He was. He was being exposed. Well, a lot to business, a lot to opera, a lot to cultures. Okay. He spent two. He spent two years with me in Jerusalem. So he grew up under. And in fact, we had to come back when the um, 2000 Antifada broke out. Um, wow. but he was there. So he was learning the languages, learning the cultures, um, learning a lot of the politics that was going on, the diplomacy. Um, I was in archeology span at that time, but he was learning all that and which has really played well into what he does now because he has always wanted to pursue a military career. So when he did so, when he came back and he did go to college, of course, all the military branches 
were after him because of his history growing up in the Middle East and Europe and understanding cultures and languages. And Marine Corps won out. So he actually did reconnaissance for the Marine Corps and now is recruiting for the Marine Corps. Um, and, And we look at, you know, we look, what I thought was a horrible disaster of mothering yeah. um, is actually turning out pretty well. And it, and I always think, you know, even when we know, when we just know for sure we're failing at something, um, I look back now and I think, no, God had this all in, this is a purpose. God had it in control the whole yeah. time. I just felt like I was floundering and doing horrible, but what it does do is it tells me that, you know, God gives us, our talent, right? Yes, God he gives does. us our gift. And we may not know why. And we may think our gift and our calling is perfectly useless, right? Non-functional. And, and, you know, I can't remember how many times I would pray about, God, why can't you just make me a homemaker where I can do art and craft <laughs> and attend, you know, kindergarten parties. And, you know, but that's not who God made me. Yeah. And you know what? Like... And I realize now that, he has a plan in all of it. So he does. And, you know, I think sometimes is like one of the hardest things to be is ourselves. And and yeah. like I can kind of relate to like your so your son made that statement. And I've had times in my life where I just feel like, man, like I'm just so different. Like I, I tell my wife <laughs> yeah. a lot of times, like I'm an interesting guy because I don't really fit like People who meet me, you can like assume a lot of things about me. And I'm like, I always consider myself one of those people that you have to get to know me. If you try to like guess, you're going to be wrong. And uh, sometimes maybe you like gave me too much credit in the area or maybe sometimes you didn't give me enough. But I definitely relate to that, that feeling of just feeling unique. But I also think it's cool. Like, like you talked about, you know, God giving us a gift and like you are really gifted in business and you were being what you knew to be, which was a CEO at home. And and of course there can be some, some good things about that. There can be some challenges, but ultimately the one thing I like about it is that, you know, I think sometimes we, I don't have children yet. We will have children uh, one day, but we don't have children yet. But when I think about it, I see people who like coddle their children and like give them everything they want. And and some people convince themselves that that's what being a good parent is. But really what you did was like you actually prepared them for what reality was going to look like when they went into the world. And so they were able to be successful in it because it was the norm to him. Yeah. um, I'm not going to say I don't have any regrets. I mean, there are probably sometimes I could have been a little less. Um, business and a little bit more mom. I get but, it. Yeah, but I think that well, one we have to realize none of us are perfect, right? Exactly. None of us are perfect. But, but I think you know the most important thing is to, like you said, be true to who we are, to who God made us. And that's and, a that's a good point because that's a very different thing than like people just wanting. You know, we decide what we want to be. But I like that you said, like, being true to who God created us to be. I totally agree with that. Right. It's not, a, and, and a lot of times it's kind of not, it's not about, well, I want to pursue all these pleasures because that's what I want. 
well, I think there's also a discipline in there that we have to understand. As Christians, we should have a discipline and we should have a discernment about, because sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. But there's yeah. other times in a discernment that, that we get through a maturity in our faith that allows us to have a peace of who God made us, right? And I think that that's one of the things when I work with the visual artist, and, you know, so, so I finished, so I ended up high school, and then I ended up going um, bachelor's political science and then into, and well, then pursued a JD, but stopped when I realized I was too much of an idealist to be a father, uh, uh, an attorney like my father. <laughs> um, and so then, you know, just kind of got burned out on the humanity altogether going through law school. So I dropped, I decided I'd go to anthropology so maybe I could figure out humanity, right? Interesting. And then go back into law. Um, but I ended up going into anthropology and I'm loving it um, and realizing that I actually loved humanity and I love the potential and the beauty in its good, bad, and ugliness, right? Yeah. And, and then with that, I began to get fascinated with visual language because, you know, with law, with political science, I began to realize that not everything that we read, right, is, is truly true, right? Exactly. It's the, it's, the victor who, it's the victor who writes the history. Exactly. Right? So, and it's through their perspective. And... But then I began to think, okay, well, where's the other language? Where's the other history that's been written? And I found myself in archaeology. That is so interesting to me. That's so interesting. Yeah, and visual language. So for me, when I look at art, I, yes, there is high art, right? When people think art, they usually think art in the gallery, art in the space, this high art connotation. The Rembrandt, the Monet's, the... um, the um, Jackson Pollock, the, you know, the, right? Yeah. For me, art is much more encompassing than that. Art is more of an artifact of society that produces it. So it's like life so is art. even, exactly, well, yeah, I think it's, it's everything. It's architecture, and yeah, we have these beautiful designs by Richard Meyer, but we also have these incredible vernacular um, Amish farmhouses that are just as beautiful right yeah i like and that they're both, they both have they both have equal value there is there's an artist um in siva he's also a dear friend of mine who um is cedric huckabee and he is widely collected his pieces there's no way i could ever afford them um, <laughs> and but i love his pieces and and but his pieces are influenced by the quilt that his grandmother would make with the other grandmothers in his neighborhood on their front porch. Oh, that's amazing. So, so the beauty has multiple levels, and the beauty of the art has multiple levels because it's the, it's the painting that Cedric creates, but it's also the beauty within the quilt that he's presenting within, you know the, within that. The the thing about that is what that makes me think about is seeing beauty in the art of your life. And so it's like God gave him a unique experience because only he, you know, 
I guess from this oh. perspective, right, could create that because it came from something personal. And there's a lot right. of times that if he was looking at other people's art, trying to like copy or be someone else, he would miss the, the simple, small thing that God allowed him to experience that, you know, Absolutely. was brought to life through his work. So um, I really like that. And I and, think, go ahead. And that was one of the things when I was doing my research on you, one of the things you had said in the previous podcast was about mimicking trends, right? Yeah. These trends where, where we're not true to ourselves. We're not true to God's calling. And we feel, um, and I think in our, our low confidence of who we are in Christ, we begin to feel pressured that we have to compare ourselves to others, and we, and we feel pulled to mimic and copy, right? And, and it's not— That's not—that's no, not where we are called. At we all. We are not called to mimic and copy. We're called to be unique and find our own voice and find our own style and find our own expression. And when we do, that is really where there's peace in the fulfillment. So like for me, like, you know, I've done Christian rap and, and, and like been into music and things like that. And one of the reasons that I never like early on, I did kind of pursue like trying to go the, the industry type route, um, had some actually had some opportunities when I was in a group. But in 2011, I kind of went a solo route and um, maybe a couple years into that kind of fizzled out. And one day I looked at my wife and I was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. And I started just yeah. really doing music yeah. for like for like to share the art that God has given me versus like, you know, trying to fit into people's standards of an industry or like trying to act like an artist when I'm on stage. And then yeah. like, I'm the kind of person is like, I literally just cannot that art is so real to me and creating music and my lyrics yeah. and the place they come from. I cannot live in a space or move in a space where it's industrialized. Mm -hmm. And to, like we talked about those brands where it's like, Oh, because you've built a, a brand name, your music is better or copy that brand. I'm the person that's like, ah, right. you know what? I just can't, like, I can't live like that. I'm not really trying to create art. Uh, I'm curious. Okay. I'm curious what you'll think okay. about this. You might think I'm wrong and I can live with it. So you can completely call me out on my show. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I don't have a filter. So okay. I'll tell you exactly what I said. <laughs> All right. So we're good. So I have this, this point of view that's like, you know, let's, let's take a music artist there. When people get into the music industry, it turns into a formula. <laughs> So like there's a formula to creating a hit song. People know how to do that, create the song that they want on radio. And that to me is that's not real art because you are allowing the person, the people receiving it to dictate what you create. I truly believe that real art is when I go into a space and give you what is me and allow you the freedom to like it or dislike it. And exactly. Exactly. Okay, so I'm good. That's where, and that's where I think that art, not a whole like we have, but I think that that's where art, whether it be music or whether it be visual, yeah. right? I think that that's where art, then it, it, it has a soul about it, yeah. right? And that's one of the things. So when I, I married a golfer, and 
and he knows how to see, right? He has to be able to see to be able to play golf well, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I noticed when we were dating and, and after we got married, I began to realize he really knows how to see. So we began going to art museums and art things. And one day we were standing in the Kimball Art Museum in Fort Worth. And I asked him, I said, so of all these people, he had no idea whose names or anything. So the name would not have, right. so between a Caravaggio and a Titian, he would have no idea. <laughs> um, now he does. But I said, which of these speak to you? And he, he went to a Caravaggio. Um, and he said, this one. I said, okay, tell me why. He goes, well, I don't know. He's, I think we lost Lawan. Hopefully she calls right back because she was telling an amazing story. You know, this is what happens, man. And you know what? This show is not even live, but I am so real and true to my art. You know what I mean? That I'm going to leave this in. I'm going to let her call back. We're going to pick up the conversation right where we left off. Lawan, are you back? I am. I just gave you a whole different. A whole dissertation about the uh, difference between pretty and beautiful, and uh, I don't know where I and, uh, and we missed it. You gotta, you gotta muster it up. You gotta muster up the energy to go back. So where we left off was your husband. Um, what you asked him what he saw, which piece of art spoke to him, and mm -hmm. and he told you which one, and then you asked him why, and then that okay. was the last thing I heard. All right. Okay. I don't know if I can get that raw joy. Oh, man. Excitement, but I'll try. You got to try. It is. Okay. So, so when we began talking about that and, you know, for, for months and years and everything, he was having these revelations, right? And for me, who thought I knew everything about the visual, I was having revelations right along with him, watching him have these revelations because he did not know museums. He did not know the art industry. He did not know, you know, he's, he's coming from degree in psychology and then he goes into, you know, a golf pro, he's a golf pro for 30 something years. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting watching him, but what I found was he was consistently drawn to the art that, that had a soul in it. Right. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the most popular. It wasn't the most expensive. It wasn't the most, you know, because he wasn't reading art magazines. He wasn't reading, you know. Um, so he wasn't I, influenced by those. No, he was not influenced primers. by art critics or yeah. branding or anything like that. And what I noticed was a lot of times he would go to a piece that would draw him in. Nobody else was looking at, right? And I began asking him, okay, so what draws you? And he would say, he didn't know. And, I, and we would unpack that and come to find out what draws him is there's this, it, you can't, it's not tangible. You can't put your mm -hmm. finger on it. Right. But it's a soul within the art. I love it. And that, and, and I think that that also is true with music. When, mm -hmm. when I hear stuff like that, I relate to it so much. And I guess in the most practical sense, to me, that's real. It is very like, real. It's not because it's not influenced by all of these things. So like when the the art with the soul is is real, it, it's, it's very it's real. the piece that was really 
And you know what else? It's not perfect. Like yeah. it is just real and it's raw right. and it has it has a tr- it's not perfect, but it has a purpose. It's not but like see, go ahead. Right. And then I think that's where the beauty that's where beauty comes in. And Agreed. beauty is not always pretty. Sometimes is, it. but not always. And I think that in the United States, I find it different in the Middle East and I find it different in Europe. Um, I don't know so much about the Asian countries because I haven't spent as much time there. Mm -hmm. But in the United States, there's a different engagement, a different understanding, a different obsession than what I see elsewhere. Unpack that for me. I like that. Tell tell me more. So what I what I would what I see a lot, especially when you begin looking at who are our social media influencers, yeah. right? The Kardashians, the, you know, you begin to look at these. And what is interesting, and I began doing some research before I took this executive director position on what is termed artificial aesthetics. Okay. And it really is looking at somehow along the way the United States has become confused between pretty and beautiful. I love it. And we're not taught. And this is something that I would love to see more to taught more within ethics and morals and just education and family is the difference between pretty and beautiful. Um, along the way, and I see this, quite a bit in visual art and I, and other things is we mistake. So we think that for something to be beautiful, it has to be pretty. Wow. Right? And just because something is pretty does not mean it is beautiful. I love it. Tell us and, more. Keep, keep going. And- <laughs> this is so good. Like this is, I'm on the edge of my my chair right now in the studio, and um, this this is like really getting my attention. So keep going. Yeah, I think for me this is the fascination within the visual languages and how we are able to understand depth once we understand the difference between those um, beauty, goodness, truth, right? Um, truth and and goodness. I mean, those are pretty self-explanatory beauty somehow though along the way seems to have gotten muddled and 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 distorted and you know because some people will say well beauty is in the eye of the beholder and i would argue that prettiness is in the eye of the beholder beauty is a transcendental nature of god right just like truth and goodness you know so beauty is beauty it's not uh, it's not a subjective um, thing. So it's subjective. I'm gonna so tell you why I like this, because to your point, right? Like this is this is a this is almost that visual is artistic to me in and of itself, because what pretty says is that you have to look like this. Like this is pretty, and it it's mm-hmm. also a lot of times narrow minded. Right. So yeah. you talk about like yeah. our influencers or the, the superficial, artificial things that, you know, attract our attention. It tells us again, back to the brands. If you uh-huh. wear this brand, it means this. 
Whereas beauty, there's a uniqueness to beauty. You know, I think about women and makeup, right? Why do we wear makeup? (laughs) I mean, it's just, (laughs) yeah, it's insane. Why do we put red, red lips on, right? Why do we, why do we put the artificial eyelashes on? Because we think that's going to make us beautiful. Well, truth is, it's not beautiful. I mean, in that sense, it's pretty, yep. it's contextual, pretty, but pretty <laughs> should not be our goal. There's beauty in who, you, in who you are and who God made you. And Absolutely. I think like the ultimate thing, like I love that you took it there. I really do, because at the end of the day, it's such an amazing point of like, you know, no matter how tall or short or whatever, you know, you know, thing we want to make it about that those things are like you talked about culture, right? America versus the Middle East and, you know, some of the other places that you've lived. And and one of the interesting things about that is, you know, beauty to me is timeless. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you are. The thing that God made you to be and the thing that he created you to be is beauty. Pretty changes depending on where you are. Yeah, pretty is context is depending on your context. Exactly. And if you think about it, God really isn't cultural. I mean, if we're thinking about, I mean that that becomes to where we're we're striving to to satisfy man. We're not striving to satisfy God, right? I would I would completely agree. I would completely agree. And I think that that concept, those concepts play into not just visual art, but music. I think it plays into, into you know, for me, I think visual is, it, it oozes into every part of our life. Yeah, right? I agree. Even when I make music, I see it. So like, yeah. um, when, when I, when I create music, it, it doesn't like for me, the inspiration, even if I'm being honest, because I'm a very. I find, you know, the art in everything. So like even the way I produce this show, you know, uh-huh. we are up to episode 95. And so for it's actually more than that, because I did kind of some special shows and things. But, you know, for over 100 and plus weeks in a row, I've recorded and edited this show. And I always urge people to go back to the beginning because it really is a work of art in the sense of like you see the growth, you see the mistakes, you see like a lot of times I will keep certain mistakes in the show um, because I want it like I'm going to keep like when you dropped off and came back in. It's like to <laughs> me, that is art. That is because it's so real. It's like, it is, yeah. why would I, I take I that out? The, and I think that that's part of life, right? Exactly. If, if, if we're striving to be perfect, well, one, what is perfect, right? Because right. there was only one person who's exactly. ever been perfect. <laughs> exactly. So, right. Um, Yeah, I I just, and I think that, and I am a perfectionist of all perfectionists, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I try to step back and not be that way for the sake of my family. And and (laughs) you know what? I believe that based, I believe your perfection is based on the fact that you had, like, you gave your kids raises. So there are a couple things before, before we run out of time, there's a couple (laughs) things I do want to ask you about. Um, so, so Siva, let, let's talk a little bit about Siva from the standpoint of like, you know, from what I read, you were a longtime member. And then in mm-hmm. January of 2019, you became the executive director 
So it sounds like, you know, just hearing your experience and, um, you know, you're well cultured and everything. It sounds like you were pretty, um, you know, maybe even overqualified. Like you were you were definitely ready for the job. But you talk about being an introvert. I'm just curious, like for you being a leader in an introvert, introvert, like ha- have you found yourself having to like push yourself to be a leader? Um, yeah, in certain ways. Okay, tell I us about that, it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of times people think, well, a leader is a extroverted cheerleader kind of out there and that networker and everything. Um, there are many different types of leaders, many different types. Um, and I tend to be that leader that, that I believe for me, one of the, the best attributes of a leader is somebody who can build a team around them, right? That is, that works, that's efficient, that is passionate, that, you know, so they build that team around them and they then are kind of on the backside of that team and they, they support the team because it's, it's the team. And, and the, for me, when I step out of this position, because I, you know, I think for a leader that stays there forever, I don't know, for me, the, one of the, the key elements of a leader is a person who knows when an organization needs a different talent. There's, there's seasons in an organization. Yeah. And there will be a time that SIVA will need a different leader than me, right? And if I do my job successfully, then there will be somebody already groomed and ready to step into that role that SIVA will need. I love that. So for me, the leader is, is it's a strategist, it's a realist, it's, um, it's somebody who sees what the needs are today, but is also thinking about three years, five years, 20 years, 50 years from now, what is SIVA going to need? And they're already turning the soil, fertilizing it, planting the seeds and beginning to water that. Right. No, so a leader, basically, like ultimately as a leader, you have to be able to see ahead. Like, that's really what oh, I took do. out of that. Like, you yeah. can't be reacting to like things that are happening right now. And it's the first time you ever thought about it. So there's a, co- a couple other things I want to ask you. Maybe I'll ask you a couple rapid fire questions and not too rapid, but. Um, just maybe some quick thoughts around these things. So um, Siva's, you know, mission and vision was interesting to me, the way you guys broke it down. Um, it's really, um, you know, three key pillars. If you could Correct. just tell me quickly about each one. So the first one is called to creative work. And like, what does that really mean for Siva? And, and you know, why is that a part think, of you guys? Yeah, vision and mission? called to creative work. This goes back to what we talked about earlier about being true to your vocational calling by God, understanding what that is, embracing it. And um, for the visual arts, it's those, it's those individuals who are called to creative work. And creative work does not necessarily mean the painter, the sculptor, you know, right? Mm-hmm. So creative work can also be the curator, right? Yeah. A curator is a creative. The art historian is the is a creative um, a person. Um, you know, we think creative, and we actually we think makers, right? The people who are actually yeah. making. Um, creative work is 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 
much more encompassing than that, you know, and that's and that's maybe because I approach the arts through an anthropological view versus a fine art view. Um, and so that called to creative work. Okay, I like that. Um, so and for Siva's, yeah, for, so for Siva's role, that means we um, equip, develop, nurture, be the be that creative person's biggest cheerleader. And we make sure that they have community and they have fellowship and that they mature not only in their professional vocation, but also in their spiritual pursuits. Okay, that's amazing. And that goes into the second part of you guys mission and vision, which is devoted to the church. So tell us a little bit yeah. about that. So devoted to the church plays into the role of we recognize the one that, that there are many, um, many members in the Christian church. Um, we, we started mostly as a Protestant evangelical Midwestern, um, lots of men, right. In 1977, um, I am actually um, Catholic and a female. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so now it's really exciting because Siva encompasses that ecumenical dialogue between all, our, all of our Christian brothers and sisters. We have Orthodox and Mennonite and Nazarene and Baptist and Methodist and Lutheran and Anglican, Episcopal, Catholic. Um, I saw that on the page, yeah. Timmy. I saw that on the page, like, and that really stood out to me. And that was like maybe one of the indirect um, things that like caught my attention immediately. It wasn't mm -hmm. the reason I reached out. But it was like maybe the reason that I stayed on the page longer because I saw um, just an extreme sense of diversity. Um, and, and that's what drew me. Actually, that's what drew me to SIVA back in 2007. I that like is, that. That's what drew me to SIVA because my education was from Catholic institutions, right? Yep. And the Catholic um, approach, the, the, the ideology of art, in the role of our faith was is different um, than a Calvinist or a pro, you know the other mainline. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, right. And and so I was always curious why the difference. And what I found was staying in my own academic world, my own church denominational world. I was in an echo chamber, and I wasn't growing. Right. Yep. So when I did purposely reach out. I reached out because I wanted that ecumenical dialogue. I wanted people to come to the conversation from different, different traditions. Perspective, right? points of life. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm the same way in the sense of like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm huge on diversity. Like diversity is a really important thing to me um, just because I believe that, First of all, that's how you understand people is like if I stay in my own little corner and I'm just over here doing what I do and I never converse with anyone else, I'll never understand them. Or if the only time I'm ever speaking about someone else is when I disagree with something or whatever, um, I think a lot of times that hinders relationships because they're built at the basis of where we disagree or where right. we're different versus finding an area like this, Christians in visual arts. Where I'm sure you guys maybe have all type of personal relationships and have learned all type of things about each other in your personal lives. But it starts at this very organic place of like, all right, here's the one thing we know we have in common that we can all come here yeah. and, and experience. And so that and last, 
the last. I mean, it's the thread is is we all have a strong faith in Christ, and we all value and have a passion for the visual arts. And those those are our those are our what guide us. And so that last part of your mission and vision is present in culture. Yeah. And that was an interesting one to me. So can you tell us a little bit about that? And then I have one more question for you, and I'm going to let you um, get to freedom. Uh, I know you're off work (laughs) and like I'm holding you. I'm holding you up between probably having a really great evening. So um, I appreciate your time today. Yeah. Um. The third one is one that I do get very, very excited about. You know, like I said, as an anthropologist, archaeologist, I'm I'm fascinated um, with culture, um, not just the the sacred sphere, but also um, also also that secular. And I say secular as in a temporal order. Yeah. Right? Um, and so for me, I've always been curious about because I never heard this in Europe. Now keep in mind I did not come back from Europe till 2007. And so when I came back from Europe I began to hear this term culture wars almost everywhere I turned. Interesting. Right? right? Culture wars and I'm sure you've heard it too, you know, this mm-hmm. this and I began digging deeper in that. I thought, okay, wait a minute. Why is there only culture wars going on in the United States and not, you know, between art and faith? Yeah. Because I wasn't seeing that in other areas. And so digging into that, I began to realize that culture wars, which you would think would have come from a discipline of anthropology, did not. It actually came from a discipline of political science. When you really begin to dig mm. down into how that term came about yeah and and i thought okay wait a minute so if this came out of political science what's the agenda here in this word right yeah that's a that's a key word right there yeah and then right agenda and and not everyone agrees with me i run into them daily (laughs) it's cool but i personally do not believe i i believe that culture war and the concept of culture war is a political fabrication to pit sides right yep and so that makes me think about okay so if this isn't really a war going on what's our role you know right so like my son when he went into the military and i said why are you doing that and his response to me was because mom, we need good reconnaissance before we enter a war. Man. Because good reconnaissance keeps you from going into unjust wars. And I thought, okay, I got it, right? So in his yep. mind, and, and he convinced me, <clears throat> God uses and use good soldiers to stop unjust wars before they happen. Well, I came into a situation in which this unjust culture war was going on. And, and it fascinated me. So with that one, it drew me personally because it's a presence in society. And I think the reason the culture war was so fueled so quickly in the United States, this concept of culture war, was because 
those of faith who were in the visual arts withdrew into a safe zone. Wow. That's so, so. And it left, it left, it left a, a, an open space, right? Right. Yeah. And for us to have healthy dialogue, sacred, secular, right? For us to have healthy dialogue, that means we have to, we have to show up at the kitchen table. We need Christians in visual arts. We need Christians in art. We need Christians in business. You know what? That, right? that is an amazing point. We have point. to show up. That's an amazing point. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, it, and that that's something that even resonates with me because I've, I'm learning more and more. And, and that's part of like this show is about, you know, being guided to your purpose. And I think, you know, there's so much outside noise, you know, mm-hmm. that when we can find that purpose, what ends up happening is we find that area in that path where we should be present, which is a lot easier to become present once you know where you should be present. Right. Um, But because of where we are, it's interesting. um, A friend told me who is, he's very much recognized in the secular world, but he's also very strong Christian and he doesn't hide it in his, in his art. Yeah. But he said for the longest time he struggled because he only had to produce half the excellence in his art for the church because that was the church's expectation, wow. right? It was like, well, you're Christian. Of course, your art's good, right? So he wasn't challenged. He said, oh, I, I had to only perform halfway, not, and it was good. But he said, but in the secular art world, when they found out he was Christian, he had to perform twice as well in excellence. So I thought, isn't that interesting that as a Christian, as a visual artist, we expect, you know, the church, in the church, the expectation is half. And I, but and in I the actually, world, it's double. And I actually believe that in, in, in the sense of like, like you said, that mindset of like, well, you're a Christian, so it's good. And right. we just kind of put, you know, people don't necessarily always, we don't expect the qualifications or um even the dedication like so i think that's a good point that we should drive um hold on to so i want to ask you something um one last question and i'm gonna get you out of here a- actually what i want you to do because i'm gonna give you the last word i want you to um you know tell everyone where we can you know find information about siva uh, anything you want to share about it just as far as like an online or social media um how to get in contact with you guys but before that i want you to tell me what is your personal favorite piece of art that you own? That I own? Yes. Oh, you're going to think this is crazy. It is a windmill by a homeless artist in Dallas that when I was living in a high-rise downtown Dallas years ago, the homeless would gather in the park below me. And I befriended a, a uh, older gentleman who Vietnam vet and he had gone into the army when he was like 16 very very young and he never le- he never learned to read and wow. he wanted to read and he loved Louis Lamore books and so I would scavenge everywhere I could and ask everyone for Louis Lamore you know the, the western romantic kind of things mm-hmm. and I would give them to him and, and he and I well 
one day he said, well, could we read a book together? I said, absolutely. So he and I, we settled on one of my favorites, which was Don Quixote. <laughs> and he and I read, we met every evening. I brought him dinner and he and I would sit in the park, we'd read. And after we finished the book, he came one day when we were beginning to start another. And he had this beautiful, I think it's just fabulously beautiful painting of windmills. Wow. And that he had made for me. That's amazing. And, and totally just, I mean, never had an art class in his life. None of it. I mean, just um, painted it from us reading the book and him expressing it. And he was part of um, a stew pot program, which is in Dallas, which uses art therapy with the homeless. And he just began doing that. And it's probably one of my, he's, he's now passed away, but he was at our wedding. Oh, um, he and several of his friends. And yeah, I think for me, that was it. And, and he was interesting because he says he would, when I would see, he would say, um, I'd say any windmills today. And he would always say, yeah, he has to fight windmills, you know, this whole, and mm. if you know, Don Quixote, you know, it's this imaginary. I don't. Um, yeah. So it's these, um, um, these windmills that he, he fights, right. Joust with. Oh, uh, gotcha. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so those windmills, every time I look at them, I just, I just think of him and my that's, heart, that's my heart cries because he was such a, he's, well, he still is. I mean, I absolutely. Just this beautiful soul that just wanted a friend to love him for who he was. And he never, you know, that was, um, yeah. That's the difference between beautiful and pretty. Like yeah. when we talk about that, like that story, that is the essence. Like that's not pretty, but it's beautiful. And I think that's oh, that's yeah. really what the essence of this conversation today. So, Lawan, I am going to allow oh. you again to have the last word. This has been amazing. Lawan Glasscock from, you know, SIVA, executive director. Um, this has been just an amazing conversation. But if you could leave us, Lawan, with the last word and let us know where can we find more information about SIVA, um, you know, if we want to check it out online. Well, you can definitely find us online at SIVA, C-I-V-A dot org. And you can find all our programs on there and everything that's coming up. We have lots of virtual going on now and um, a lot of small groups that members are welcome to. And if you like this idea of beauty, truth and goodness that we've been talking about next year, 2021 is our is our conference. And the theme is on transcend and how um, how God, you know, and how we we use beauty in in visual art and objects um and humble art um to transcend that's amazing oh, yeah. we will make sure as well that you know siva.org as well as on instagram christians and visual art will be in the description of the show um yes. so when you listen to the show and you can just check us. it out follow. Yeah, follow us because pat does a fabulous job with our with our marketing so. yeah no you guys have an amazing page like i said it definitely caught my attention with the diversity um, amongst Christians. And again, thank you so much for your time, Lawan. Um, well, hope I, hope, I hope, 
I hope time doesn't pass too long before we get to see each other. I was going to say the same thing. Like, you know what? Don't let this be the last <laughs> time we talk and it's definitely um, stay in touch. Um, but God bless you. Thank you so much and have an amazing rest of your day. Oh, thanks, Jermaine. This was fun. Yep, it was. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Guys, people, thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed what you heard, subscribe at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That way you can hear the show every single week. Also, you can find us at inspireguyspeople.com. Hit the drop-down box and select podcast. Yo, email me, Music at gmail.com. Tell me what you think about the show. What type of topics and interviews do you want to hear next? And always remember, if you don't like me, just act like you like me. If you're looking for me, I'll be in my own world. Create for the creator when I'm in my own world. I surf below the surface. It's layers to my purpose. Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world. Look in the sky, there ain't no stars in it. The art is all natural and authentic. Rivers of love, we swimming for us. We can't drown if we fall in it. If you looking for me, I'll be in my own world. Create for the creator when I'm in my own world. I surf below the surface. It's layers to my purpose. Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world.